Hello and welcome to episode 231 of the Washed Up Emo podcast. I am Tom Mullen from washedupemo.com. Today in the podcast, we welcome Elise Okusami from Oceanator. She signed to Polyvinyl Records and currently on a run with Braid and also going to rock with Intuit over it later this fall. She's an amazing musician and recently released Nothing's Ever Fine back in 2022 and has a new single called Part-Time Out Now. Please check out Oceanator. Amazing record, amazing musicianship, hooks, and we get into a lot about her writing about music and also experiencing New York, which we both share, and also what she's looking forward to in the future and how it's kind of her job now, which is pretty rad. So you can find out everything about Oceanator at oceanator.surf, that's .surf, which I think is pretty cool. This is episode 231 of the Washed Up Emo podcast with Elise Okusami from Oceanator. Rockville, Maryland. So what was your favorite moment from this past weekend? That's crazy that you asked because I had a really wild weekend actually. Um, so Saturday I had two, I, I have two favorite moments because they were like opposites. Saturday I played a living room show for the first time in like years, which was super fun. And it was Buffy the Vampire Slayer themed. So people like dressed up and they had, <laughs> yeah, it was amazing. And like they had Buffy on, like I could watch, I was watching Buffy while we were playing our set and, uh, and I loved that show and everyone was super nice. It was just kind of, it was really fun to play in that kind of space again. So that moment was really good, great. And then the other thing I drove down here yesterday and, um, to start this tour and I saw, I went to 930 club to see Pup and Pool Kids and ended up playing one song on stage with Pup because um, I said, I think I remember how it goes. <laughs> and uh, so that was fun to do, like, two very opposite music-related things and within 24 hours. Of how did that happen? With the Well, I did, a t- <laughs> I did a tour with them last summer and was playing that song on the tour, and so I texted Stefan, like, right before they went on, just like, ha-ha, do you need me to play it? And he was like, oh, yeah. And I was like, wait, uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah, it was really funny. And they're all sweet, so it was, it was fun to do that with them again. Rad. How did you... Um... How did you find music? Like, what was some of the? Was it was it your parents? Was it a sibling? Like, how did you start diving into it? I mean, this is way that this is this is uh, we we can get back to pop, you know, current, but sort of like <laughs> early, early. Like, did you were were you finding um, punk rock early on? Yeah, I mean, so um, both my parents listened to a lot of music. Always, my my dad was always like dabbling and in playing instruments and stuff, and and always had. I mean, even still, like. He'll be up soon. He's upstairs, but and he'll be up soon. And all oh, first thing he's going to do is turn on his stereo. Um, so we were always me and my my brother, who's about twenty months younger than me, were always listening to stuff. And then I our neighbor Jeff brought over um, Dookie by Green Day, obviously, uh, when we were like when it came out. So we were like eight and six, and that kind of is what started like my personal music 
um, discovery journey, I would say. You know, that's where I, like, got excited about. I got a guitar, like, very shortly after, and that's when I was like, I want to be in a band. I want to play music and, like, learn all this, learn all these songs and started doing, you know, going to the Best Buy and buying, like, the Punkarama mm-hmm. <laughs> compilations that Epitaph made and stuff. That was kind of, like, the entryway, you know, pre-internet, um, trying to find more bands and stuff and finding those little... You know, they used to include those little, like, um, one-sheet sort of, I guess, catalog things where they're like, here's all the releases by bands we have that, that would come with the CDs. And I'd be like, all right, let me just go check out what this band sounds like. And, what? Yeah, that was kind of the early start. What, 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 what stuff stuck out? Like, was it, you mentioned Epitaph, like, I mean, obviously, absolutely Dookie and um, that record, you know, so many people found out about punk and started diving in. But I love that you mentioned, like, I want to hear more. I see this label or I see this sheet full of band names I've never seen before. And it was like Christmas every time seeing that. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, I mean, the, like the the punkaramas, I think, are the thing that really, really got me. Because, like, it's like a little mixtape, basically, you know? Totally. You could You could hear... So I would just go after, like, listening. I had, like, one through five, I think, is what I ended up with total. Um, and uh, if I heard a song by a band I like, I'd, like, I'd go by, take my allowance, and go buy that band's record, and then hopefully like the rest of it as well. Um, so, you know, obviously got really into Rancid, um, Bad Religion, I liked a lot. Ten Foot Pole, I remember getting mm-hmm. really into. <laughs> um, but, uh yeah, and then short music for short people also was another, another <laughs> big record that I liked. That's good. I forgot that the name is so funny. Um, I listened to that recently. And I was like, oh, I still know like all of these words <laughs> to these 30, 130 second songs. <laughs> that would be a very funny show if you just did that really quick. Like just did yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, but it's still like well, only like forty minutes or something, yeah. right? <laughs> <laughs> just like do like two sets and be like this the first set is this and the next set will be my own music <laughs> the second set is this absolute nonsense <laughs> um and then did it did it stay in punk did you start you know was it i mean after after guitar i feel like i mean for me as a guitar player i'm like oh what's the drums like you know or mm-hmm. what's what's the keyboard like did you start doing that as well as your as your music palette sort of expanded yeah i mean so like um my brother can play any instrument really <laughs> one of those yeah he's one of those people so we had like we had drums in the house um so i started like kind of fooling around with those and then in high school was playing drums in some bands um just based on like because i had them so i could fart around on them yeah you know? um, totally and uh and then bass just because um we had that michael's my, my brother michael his main instrument was bass so you know i played that a little bit just by virtue of playing guitar not as like a straight up bassist or whatever um but yeah and like and i and i played piano like i took lessons as a kid and then i i did again in college i was a music major so i I did some you know you got to do keyboard stuff for that where did you go Um, i went to vassar college in poughkeepsie cool um so yeah i double majored in uh in history and and music um so yeah just kind of I mean, guitar is like my main thing, but I ended up playing drums in way more bands because everyone always needs a drummer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so like, you know, the first big tours I did were like playing, playing the drums and stuff. Um, so 
Who were you playing with then? I do got to miss it. Um, I was playing with my friend Leticia. She has a project called Vagabond that's uh, really cool. Um, it's like her her project, and so I was like her touring drummer for a little bit. Um, so that was a really great experience. That's great. What about um, so learning learning these all these instruments, getting into music? Did you start going down other rabbit holes, or did you just stick to the punk aromas? I know you didn't. I'm just kidding. Like, oh I, no, yeah, I'm it's joking. definitely like. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I got really into, like, high school was still a lot of punk because I was playing in punk bands, but, you know, listening, I mean, I like uh, classics and soul and all that stuff, so I was listening to all that, too, and then got really into Elliott Smith and um, kind of went down that, that whole road of, you know, some acoustic, folky stuff, and then also just, like, I don't know, I think I, like, got into Built to Spill, like, through Elliott Smith, I think, also, nice. like, bands like that. Um so, you know, just kind of whatever, whatever, like, people were, you know, it was still very much, like, people passing CDs around and telling you about bands and stuff. So, just kind of whoever I was around kind of recommending stuff, and that's how I was finding stuff for a long time. What what about those things stuck out to you? Like, what about Elliot or, or Built to Spill stuck out to you? Um, they rock. <laughs> Uh, the Elliot songs, I don't know, they were just, like, so, like, they're very beautiful, and then they're also, like, the interesting, harmonically, you know, like, the, all those leaning notes and the mm-hmm. chords and stuff, and, like, the arrangements are just really cool, so I guess that's, like, kind of what got, like, just, you hear the song, and you're like, that's a great song, and then there's just, like, you can just keep hearing more things on every listen, um, and I like the way that his words, like his lyrics are, you are like, you can get a meaning out of them, obviously, but also they just sound good. You know, he like, he chooses words that just sound good. Like, even if you divorce them from any meaning, they like, they fit, fit the song well, if that makes sense. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Um, did you ever get <laughs> yeah, to see so him? I did not. Yeah, I, I, I did not. I do have like twenty full concert audios on my computer. Nice. Uh, but I never, I never actually got to see him perform, which is devastating. Yeah. The I sat next to him. Um, oh at, really? At the Mercury Lounge at the bar. Whoa. You know that front bar. Yeah. I was yeah. like. I didn't realize it because I was there for a friend. We were just like sitting there and I don't even drink, but I just was there hanging out and he was next to me. And I, I remember like being friendly and, but like leaving also realizing who it was. So keeping it cool and like leaving him alone and being like, he's probably enjoying no one bothering him. Um, So (laughs) it was so, so New York, like you see a celebrity, you're like, I'm not going to bother this person. Like they have other shit they're dealing with, but uh, it was really cool. Like it was kind of a, um, I felt him like calm, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Uh, So Mm -hmm. it was, it was kind of trippy. And then again, listening to the stuff after that um, with that sort of vibe, I'm, I'm saying vibes a lot, but like, it was very like, like surreal. So I, when you mentioned, I brought it up because the way that you talked about him and those choices of things and the way that you end up listening to it and you're like, I got to listen to that again. Um, yeah. That's super yeah. cool that you picked up on that. 
yeah, he's a he's a big big influence on me for sure. I'm, yeah, big fan. Nice. What, when was he playing that night? When you? When no, he was, he was hanging out? out. He was just there. That's cool. Yeah, that's cool. I, I don't remember the show. I don't remember why. I, a friend booked the venue for a while, and yeah. I played shows, okay. and so I was there a lot for like you would you would go and pick up tickets for shows like they were on sale in person there. Oh yeah. Do okay. you remember that? Cool. Yeah. Yes. I mean, not as not as I remember it happening. I didn't do it as much just because I was like younger, but yeah. I remember it being a thing for sure. Yeah, you would like. There was one where the Strokes played as the Shitty Beatles. It was like a a joke show, and I had to go down and like get a ticket. I remember walking in and like, yeah, I'm here, uh, I need a ticket for the Shitty Beatles. <laughs> um, it was very funny. Um, yeah. What about um, you know, did indie rock fall into hardcore emo? You know, um, did you start getting into some of that stuff, or was that um, off off your radar? Because some people kind of go down the indie train and then that's it. I was, I was into hardcore, um, more in high school. I still like a lot of it. Um, but I don't know. I'm like not in the world. So I'm not up on stuff on that. (laughs) Totally. Um, but, uh, but I still enjoy, you know, like soul glow. I love and, um, and I never got as much into emo. Really? What era was popular when you were getting into stuff? Um, I think, <clears throat> I think when I when like the emo era was like, it was like early two thousands. So it was like I remember people talking about like Dashboard Confessional and like Face the Day and Bright Eyes, basically. Right. Um, and I yeah I just didn't didn't get into those as much you know i i had a few songs here and there but um kind of missed missed that wave (laughs) that's crazy i like that though there's so much stuff there's so much stuff that i feel like i i missed and you sort of like talk to someone that's like um into it like i'm trying to think who or even like an area right like oh in chicago for these two years all these things happened and you just kind of you had no idea or something and being able to um hear that but like being completely removed from it which i think at that time period too it was still pretty slow like myspace wasn't kicking in yet um Mm -hmm. and i kind of like that um it wasn't something that was all around you yeah, and like I grew up in in DC and playing shows in DC, so we had like a great scene here of like just local bands. So I like it always feels like weird to be like I listen to mostly local bands, but I listened to like a lot of local bands in high school because there were so many of them and like we were playing shows with them all the time, so those are like the CDs I had. Yeah. Um and there wasn't as much yeah, it wasn't just like you could go online and be like let me listen to like anything in the whole world. <laughs> right. And I mean, what, what was that? Did you realize that? I've asked a lot of people from DC, like, did you realize what was happening? Like how much of a scene, but also the sort of the roots of it too, with discord and other labels that were sort of in the general area that there was just a lot going on that you were able to get to. Yeah. At the time, I don't think I really like processed, um, how much of it there was like, obviously I was aware of like, you know, minor threat and bad brains and all those bands and discord existing. And like, I was at 
I was at the last Fugazi show, I guess, which I didn't realize was the last one at the time or anything. Or until actually recently when I looked, I was like, what was that Fugazi show I went to? And I was like, oh, it was the last. <laughs> you like keep one. scrolling and you're like, oh, yeah. oh, okay, the last one. Nice. <laughs> um, yeah. So, but so like I didn't, I didn't realize like, I guess the significance of all that stuff, but I definitely knew that we were like in a special place with, with a lot of special bands. Um, and that like, yeah, it was just a cool, cool scene to be a part of for sure. And we were more at the like tail end or a bit, or no, I mean, it's still going. So no, we were just, but like, we weren't, you know, there's plenty of lore already when we were playing stuff. So, and then, and then for you, um, playing your own music and recording, starting to do that. When, when did that start? Or was that when you started playing in high school too? Like, were you recording your own songs or? Yeah, we started. I we started recording. Um, so in fourth grade, I started a band with some friends at school, and and then my brother, who was in second grade, <laughs> and uh, we made our first record. I think in like seventh and eighth grade, um, and and then we did another one in high school, and uh, you know played a few shows, and then yeah, the other bands I was playing in. I wasn't writing as much for those. I was just I was just playing in them, but I did some recording with them and then played like a ton, played a ton of shows with them. So it, that all was like pretty much at the same time as get getting a guitar. It was immediately started writing. I mean, some of them better than others. But. <laughs> what about this this current project? Was that is this always been that name, or was there other iterations of it, or from a from a musical creation standpoint? Yeah, um, I did like a solo record in college that's just under my name, um, and then for this project that that I wanted it to, I wanted it to be distinct from that because this is I wanted this to be more like I still wanted to have some songs obviously that were just just a guitar or whatever like whatever the song needs, but um, I wanted this to feel more like it was a band um, than like just a, a person playing some songs. <laughs> um, so this. As a as a project, I mean, I started writing songs for it, not knowing that I was writing songs for it in like 2010, 2012. Um, but it didn't become like a like a thing until 2015. Um, and the first show was either in 2015 or 2016. I can't remember right now. Um, but that's kind of the origins of of this. Was like. I was kind of I was playing with a lot of other people and I was playing I was playing drums in a band that played in New York a lot that we would all write together um but then I was like writing these other songs on the side of like my own and and wanted a home for them so uh started this <laughs> and and you moved I moved I moved to New York um in in 2009 so I've been there for a while Awesome um, Yeah I moved, like, I came home after college for, like, a year and lived in Maryland for a year and then moved up to New York. So we were probably at some of the same shows then. We just didn't know it. It's possible, yeah. <laughs> when did you leave? I left uh, the day of the pandemic. Um, oh, wow. Okay, Literally so the day before. Um, yeah. Dashboard and GetUp Kids were playing at Webster, and it got really full, okay. and I left. I was like, <laughs> I got to get the fuck out of here. And I already had a flight to Los Angeles that I had booked without realizing that was the day the world ended. And, um, right. and I flew out and never went back. Um, That's, yeah. 
crazy. That's great. I want to move to L.A. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, I really like it over there. I always do. I think when someone in L.A. wanted to move to New York, I would stand far away from them and I would say, this is living in L.A. And then I would get <laughs> really fucking close to them and whisper yeah. in their ear, this is New York. And, yeah. and they would be like, what are you talking about? I'm like, just that's just the difference. <laughs> yeah, you'll see. I mean, I love I love my neighborhood and I love my apartment, but like. I'm tired. <laughs> oh, I feel this. I, want, I said the same word you know, when someone's like. I want a little like, more space. A little and, more space. <laughs> yeah. Some sun. And, yeah, maybe a doggy. I know. It's... Yeah. How, so I actually I thought of this when I where you were and like how long you've been there and we both have this like pain from New York and um, I do miss the pizza I do miss the bodegas I do miss like when things close early I get really confused because yeah. I'm like yeah. what do you mean I can't get ice cream at one thirty in the morning <laughs> like I want to go well, I'm in the West Village where, where's the you know I want ice cream and I... <laughs> <laughs> so but how. I was just talking to someone recently about another time period that they were in New York and they were talking about there were all these practice spaces and you could spend, you know, 20 bucks and you could play and we had a crappy job and we had a crappy apartment. Every year that I was there, I was in bands. I was playing um I was in the music industry. I was doing I just felt each year I like couldn't catch up. Yeah. And how in New York like being in a band and like, is it is it just because are they further out in Brooklyn? Like all these practice spaces because they were they used to be in the city, then they're in the village, now they're in Brooklyn. Like, get, explain to me well, like how the fuck bands happen now because it's so goddamn expensive. I don't have a practice space actually anymore. Wow. See, um, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> I used to have yeah, I used to have one in, um, in Bushwick off the. Montrose stop in Dambro Studios. Wait, was in there I, for a that, while. That's. I remember getting off. Mo- yes, because I remember getting off and getting being scared. Because it was no. it was dark as fuck. This was it was dark, but it's not scary. I guess it was the first time I got off and I didn't know where to go. Like it, yeah, this was two thousand. Uh, eleven. Or not? Okay. Or, so or 2009. Way less over there too, because yeah. it was—it's mostly like factories and stuff. Yeah. So at night, it's—it was pretty empty. But now there's like, there's more bars and there's more stuff. There's like coffee shops and stuff. So it's not as—it's not as dark and there's people around. Um, <laughs> so so you had that for a while. I had that for a while, and then um, the rent went up, and I was not really using it because the band that I was in it with wasn't a band anymore. So it was just me. And so I, I was playing with other people that had their own practice spaces. So I just moved out. And now we usually practice like in whoever's, if we're doing the New York stuff, usually like one of the people that I'm playing with will have a space that we can use or we'll go like to the sweatshop and rent Mm -hmm. um, an hourly room. Um, or like for this tour we're um, we're practicing in Philly for like, that's where my bassist lives. And, um, for other tours, like we'll practice here, um, at my dad's in the basement, you know, and just start here. Um, so yeah, I don't know how, <coughs> sorry, other bands are 
<laughs> I mean, I know there's like a hundred million people in every practice space now. Right, right. They're so expensive. It's so expensive. <laughs> That's what I mean. Yeah, like scheduling hours versus days. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, and... I mean, some people do it. Like, my friend has it where they, they get it every Thursday, and that's it. That's their time, you know. But other places, they're just like, I can never get in the practice space. It's always being used. There's too many people in here. Wow. So, yeah. Someday I'd like to have one again. But I just play in my little, in my room, quietly with headphones on. <laughs> with you doing all the instruments, correct? And, and then later you'll show it to everybody else in, in the band? or. How, how does that process work for you? And um, sometimes I would go crazy just being on my own. Like I would have to share it with someone. Yeah. Um, I do it. It's kind of a, depends on the song. A lot of the songs, like I'm working on a new record now and a lot of the songs have, so it depends on who's going to, who I think is going to be playing on the record. So if I think my brother's going to be playing, I usually won't wrote it, write a bass line because <laughs> he writes really great bass lines. And, like, I'll have sometimes, like, a very specific, like, I'll be like, in this part, I want the bass specifically to do this, so I'll, like, do that part, but I'll usually leave it pretty open otherwise, you know? Um, and similar thing for for drums, if I know he's going to be playing, because we've been playing together for, like, 20 years or whatever. <laughs> um, so, like, we have, I kind of know what he's going to do. Like, I um, the song Nightmare Machine on on the latest record, I didn't hear what the drums were going to be until he started recording them in the studio. And I was like, Oh yep, that's perfect. That's, that's that so fucking cool. <laughs> um, but for other songs I'll do, I'll do the full, um, I'll do the full thing. So I have like a couple demos where I, I played like everything's played on it. And like I did the drums and the bass and the keys or whatever. And then, you know, it might change a little depending on who ends up recording it. But um, but they're like they're written already and stuff. What's it so, like? Yeah, I, I don't know. Depends on the song. Yeah, I actually really like that. What what about feedback? Like like if you have that song finished and like you said you have that trust with your brother or you're with someone like what what happens when you you have to explain um, that you want something different or you're thinking about something new like. How does that go? Obviously, I know it depends on the person, but just you in in those moments, like, um, I don't know. I feel like I, you either know the person or you're able to help explain what you're looking for is a, like a really great skill. Yeah, I guess um, most of the, like all the people that I've recorded with are, I haven't like worked really with any just like, you know, just studio musicians who I don't really know or mm-hmm. anything. So it's all people that I've, that I've played with before. Like, so a couple of the songs, um, my friend Andrew Whitehurst did a, almost all the drums on the last record, actually, besides the one Michael did. I didn't end up doing any drums that made the record. Um, I did them on one song, and then I made it a B-side. <laughs> um, but uh, Andrew played on, on that. He played almost all the drums, and so we just kind of got together. I sent him the demos beforehand, and he, like, practiced and had some thoughts about stuff. And then we just had like a couple days here in the basement, um, playing together. So since we, and he's been my touring drummer, he had been my touring drummer for like three years also. So we like knew how each other played and also thought about music. So it was easy to communicate. Like I want something more like this here. Or like sometimes I would just like literally like air drum what I was thinking and, <laughs> and then he would play it. Um, but he also, you know, like he would be like, Oh, I was thinking about doing this. And if like, it's, 
you know, if someone has a cool idea, like, great, yeah, <laughs> like, if it serves the song, let's do it. Um, so it's just kind of like a back and forth. Like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say like, no, I wrote it this way, and this is how it has to be. If they have an idea that makes the song a little better, um, but yeah, generally it's a generally it's I it's with the main parts of the song that everything's like done done, and then it's just little flourishes here and there. Yeah, that's great. What about feedback? Um, for yourself and dealing with reaction to things. And I think we can talk about it from a pre-internet a little bit and a post-internet. How how have you been able to handle that of, you know, the instant response or um, feedback, good, good and bad, right? Um, and that's sort of, because yeah. I feel like there's a, you were kind of, a band and you would play a show and there'd be reaction and then you'd go home. And then now there's like this constant back and forth. And I think there's good and bad about both of them, but how have you felt about just feedback in general about your own music and feeling not necessarily pressure, but just like, um, a constant reminder. Um, I'm very sensitive and take everything very personally. So I try to not, (laughs) um, pay too much attention to, of feedback mm-hmm. in that way just because like if i read one negative thing i'm gonna think about it forever oh same same um, i'm the same way i'm the same way yeah i could get a thousand so, thank yous and then the one that's like this guy sucks i'm like man yep yeah ruined <laughs> absolutely ruined i'm like thinking i have several phrases in my head right now of things that i accidentally like read or saw that like oh okay i'm um, sorry i'm sorry to bring that back no, up okay <laughs> um so in that in that in that respect I, I try I try to not pay as much attention to it just to like just for my own sanity. And I do and I don't and I you know, even positive like I usually I like to 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 read when someone's taking the time to write something about the record, I wanna read it. You know, like mm-hmm. they spent time with their so I'll do I will read I'll read those. Um but I try not to like I try not to like over like I don't go searching for this for stuff about the band because yeah. I I don't want to know. <laughs> um, I just hope that people like it, and if they don't, that's fine. Not everything's for everyone, right? But I don't want to hear about it because it will make me sad, right? Oh, um, absolutely. What about the motivation uh, part of it? Like having you know the things. Usually, you can kind of fill yourself with dopamine, right? From some of the, you know, you, you say something online and then you're able to sort of, um, but the motivation to kind of work on something singular is harder and harder. And so finishing something, be it simple or long-term, how, how have you been able to do that, um, with, with, with your music and kind of, you know, keeping your head, like you said, knowing, knowing your boundaries too, of like, I'm not going to look at this or I'm not going to open my phone. How, how have you been able to keep that motivation as there's more and more distractions? Um, it's, I feel like I'm writing m- more spread out, like slower and spread out than I used to, if that makes sense. Where mm-hmm. like, you know, I still will sometimes, like I have a couple songs for the new record that are just like, they all came out at, at once, all the parts, and, and they're like they were done in like an afternoon or whatever. And then some are like, okay, I wrote this riff and I really like it. Let me record it, and then I'll come back to it in like 
several months when I I don't feel so scattered and and work on it again. Um, but in terms of motivation, I just I like making sounds, so I don't have to. It doesn't. I don't feel like the motivation's not there. I just sometimes feel like the 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 sounds aren't there. Isn't there? Oh, the yeah, focus. and just like the being able to like not feel like I'm in a hundred different places at yeah. once, and my attention's not like split. Um, I guess is the main thing, and I've started like using that focus features on the phone. You know, where you can mm-hmm. like set it so certain things don't work. So I have like a couple different tiers of that to, to like just kind of make it not be a thing and turned off all notifications on the computer so like if I'm working on a song and I get a text like it doesn't show up on the computer like it's still there but I won't like see the badge or whatever if right. it helped um, but that seems yeah, like I'm, healthy I'm trying <laughs> you know it's hard it's, it's also like I want to I want to see what everyone's doing all the time, so I do open I open the apps too much, but you know, try it. Yeah, I I feel that too. It's like I I'm I like I'm so supportive. Like, oh, someone got a dog. Awesome, bang bang. You know, yeah. or like whatever. And then like you know, an hour later, you're like, shit. Yeah. <laughs> like I could have been doing so many things with this time. But nope. But nope. Yeah. Uh, no, that's okay. What about um? I, st- I want to go back to New York and shows. What were some shows that you dug? God, we were at some of this. I definitely saw Soul Glow. Um, definitely was at Chase Stadium a bunch. Yeah. Um, um, I'm trying to think what other. This is just, this uh, is just me for fun, trying to think if we were at any yeah, shows. and like Silent Barn and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, gosh. You know when, like, this is like when someone asks what your favorite band is and you forget every band that exists. <laughs> how about how, how about venues? Can, can we pick a venue and figure out if there's one you really had fun at? Something in yeah. Brooklyn? Um. Oh no. Shea Stadium. Give me, give me, give me a Shea Stadium show. I saw Level Up at Shea Stadium. Fuck yeah! I remember that was really fun because that was the first time I'd seen them, and I remember being like, it was packed. That was a really fun show. I had a good time at that one. I played there a couple times and had a good time doing that as well. That was a fun spot. Yeah, I liked that place a lot. <laughs> I liked that the do- the the door like the like the patio. You had the windows open, and yeah. like people would like hang out there. Yeah, the, it could be out on the on that little balcony yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah, and just... I liked that they had a little green room. Not so much that it was a green room, but that I was like, I know where my things are. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you yeah. You know what I mean? You know when you play a show and you're like, where's my guitar? Totally. Is it getting smashed? <laughs> yeah, I have definitely have like that complex from New York, like always knowing where my things are. Like yeah. in my pockets, in my, you know, the second you get off the subway. Okay, do I have everything, you know, yep. or before you yeah, get double like, checking. Yeah. Always turn around and look back at the seat, even though I know there's nothing on the seat. I got to look. You got to look. Yeah. That, um, do you, I think that, I think those New York things have messed with me. I didn't even really think of it as a New York thing, but I guess, I guess it is. Or big city, but there's nothing there. There's uh there's a urgency and a, I mean, I was at some other countries where they're a little bit New York like with speed mm-hmm. and uh, impatience, but there's, I just, 
I don't know. I think it's affected me more than I thought of like how I interpret the world. Yeah. Like bad things happen on the street out here and it doesn't affect me. Right. You're just like, oh, I saw, you know, that's cool. Uh, Seen that already. Um, And I'm like, that's bad. That's bad. That's not no, good. No, yeah, you're like you're like kind of desensitized to it because there's just so much happening at all times, and you couldn't like process. You couldn't like go on having a day if you didn't ignore some of it. I guess. Yeah, and so being able to um, do that, and then also try to be productive, but have all this sort of like energy, right? I don't know. Yeah. I feel like. Um, being in your apartment, like you had all this energy and you had a small space and you had to get out. And sometimes that was music. Sometimes it wasn't, but it just seemed like it would, I don't know. I, I still feel this is, I'm not, I don't, I, I mean, I might charge you for therapy, but I'm just thinking like from a musician standpoint in New York, there was this energy that like I had to get out somehow. I feel, so I'm very lucky and I live in a like pre-war rent stabilized apartment which is really the main reason i still can live in new york god bless um because i've been in it since 2011 um so i don't have as much of the i need to get out thing because i love my apartment and i live by myself and um don't leave all my things are there yeah don't don't leave at least <laughs> well, when i i can't leave until i leave new york you know like i i'm not moving apartments so i haven't so i i do feel a nice thing for me is that I get when i get home i'm like i feel like i'm at home Aww. and i like being in my space and i don't i'm not feeling like cramped and like i need i need to get out for that reason um you know cuz it's like it's not a, a teeny closet which is you know, it's not like house sized or something. And so I lived in the suburbs or whatever, but it's, you know, it's, it's got enough space to exist, um, comfortably inside, which is very, very lucky and not, not the norm, I think in New York. No. Um, but, uh, yeah, I just, cause when I moved in there too, it was like the, you know, the neighborhood was way different cause it was like 12 years ago. So stuff hadn't, it was just cheaper down there in general cause there wasn't, as much stuff around and now the stuff is coming. <laughs> and so the, I think the market rent around there is like maybe, I don't know, it's like 800 more dollars a wow. month than I pay or something insane. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't have that. I don't have that. Like I need to get out. Um, feeling so not much. even out but, of just out of your apartment and like spew across the street and like, like to go doing things and yes, you're home and you like that, but more of the, there's this energy to do things or to be out. Um, which yeah, I, I, think I, I, I always like, I think I'm, that's gone for me. How old can I ask how old you are? You, I can leave it out if you want. I'm 37. Okay. 37. All right. Yeah. I definitely around that age. I said, I'm, I'm done. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm tired now. And I also, yeah, I also stopped. I don't drink anymore. So it's like, Okay. I like to ha- there's so many NA options at places which is great so I like to go hang out at a bar with my friends and stuff but I like to do it in like the afternoon or the evening. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Happy I'm hour. Not, like, try to be out till 4 or whatever. Right. <laughs> anymore. Um but yeah, I guess I guess if I I definitely in my 20s when I was in New York, I definitely was out more and I was going to shows all the time and hanging out with people like until 
the wee hours. God knows when. Yeah. I remember yeah. a friend who still lives there and I was talking to him recently and I was like, he's, he's my age. And I was like, I don't know, man, like maybe I'll come back. He's like, Tom, <laughs> you are this age. And so yeah. the areas that you went to do not mm-hmm. look or you're not welcome. That's pretty much what he was like. He's like, you're not welcome. <laughs> like, yeah. there's a different age group hanging out in those places now. And I'm like, really? Oh, man. You know? It's like, I know. Oh. It was so funny. I carted some kids at work the other day. I work in a restaurant. I, I carted this table. And they were all, like, 26. And I was like, oh, I thought you guys were, like, babies, babies. Like, <laughs> like, they just looked so much younger than us. And I was like, oh, oops. Well. Okay. I mean, I think it's still reasonable. You're under 30. Absolutely. Expect to get carded, but like they were definitely older than I thought looking at their little baby faces. <laughs> I walked through NYU. I worked near uh 4th and Lafayette I, uh when I was in the industry and I would kind of hang out in that area and I remember 4th walk- and Lafayette? Yeah. 4th Avenue? No, uh 4th Street. Oh, okay, cuz I worked near 4th Avenue and Oh, I guess it it turned in- into Lafayette down. Okay, okay. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, it was where the old Tower Records was. Do you remember the old Tower oh. Records and Tower Video? No. Uh-uh. There was a Tower... I remember the one here in Maryland. There was a Tower... I met rec- Good Charlotte there. Oh, well, see? Why did you tell me that story? I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> I got my CD signed. Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, no, there was a... It was a... Uh, have you seen All Things Must Pass, the documentary on Tower? No, I, I haven't. It's it's worth watching. There's an outdoor. Uh, Colin Hanks produced it. Uh, Tom Hanks' kid. Um, yeah. Okay. There's there is a uh, Fourth and Broadway was the Tower Records. Fourth and Lafayette was Tower Video, and then other music was between Broadway and Lafayette. Or sorry, Broadway yeah, and Lafayette. I other fourth. Music. Yeah, that was on that other corner. It was in that whole strip. Was all tower. Oh, it's it that thing on the corner with the. It's all graffiti now, and like. Yeah. It's that that corner entrance. That's like that place yep. that's empty. Yep. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So that was, and my office was kitty corner to that. In that, um, I think it's the orchard now, but it's like, um, it's this beautiful building. Um, on fourth and it would look down and there would be, you know, things happening there. You two would be there. God knows who like Madonna (laughs) and those kind of crazy things. But what I, I think why I kind of brought that up was sort of the, those, those things that sort of moved around the city. Um, They would, you know, be in Manhattan. Then it was Lower East Side. Then it was kind of Brooklyn. And I think, you know, going down there now, I remember thinking people older than me being like, oh, I remember when this thing was here, the wetlands, you know, and that was gone. So I was like, oh, I'm that person now. I need to yeah. go. Like, yeah, I need, yeah, it's yeah, time totally. for me to walk somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I, uh, I get that. I definitely do the like, oh, remember, hold on. Be like, remember when, when this was this thing and this, and it's like, what I, have, I, I, I have lore about the city. So yeah, I read that book, um, um, goodbye to all that. Have you read that? No, tell me about like, that. It's a bunch. Um, it's a bunch of writers writing about loving and leaving New York. Ooh. Um, and so I read that, and just reading those people's stories of like when they decided it was time to go, I was like, okay, I think that's where I am. <laughs> also, um, so, and there's one thing that really stuck with me is this: this person was writing about how they had a rent stabilized apartment, and they were in, I think, the West Village, like talking about it. And this 
like 80 year old lady next to them overheard and was like, don't let that apartment trap you. I didn't tour Europe with an opera because I would have lost my rent controlled apartment. I missed so many opportunities because of it. And that like really stuck with me too. Cause because of my rent stabilized apartment that I keep not leaving because it's a good apartment. Wow. That's a cool, that is cool that you read that. And sort of, <laughs> so we're almost, yeah, I saw it at the bookstore and I was like, okay, let me, let me get this. This sounds like it might be helpful. Yeah. So even like, you know, some of the essays and I guess it was an expanded edition or something. So they had some essays from people who like left and then moved back. And those were interesting too, to like see the reasons why they, weren't happy in their new place or whatever. Stockholm syndrome. <laughs> no, they just seemed more like city. They were they were city people. Yeah, yeah. No, I know. I remember going home a few times and like there were so many things in New York that weren't in the hometown and I'm like, You guys don't have this? And they're like, Shut yeah. up. <laughs> Yeah. What do you mean? But uh, so so we're almost doing a moving episode for you. We're trying to figure out where where you're going to be happy. I'm yeah, or settled. I want to go to LA. I recently just got back from Europe on tour and just Europe's like, love Germany. Really? Um, Why? Yeah, I had like a oh, well, like Hamburg and Berlin. Hamburg, we had a day off, and so we spent a lot of time. Like, we had a whole day, and we went and did a million things. And it's just like, the, it felt just like a bunch of little neighborhoods that all had really cool stuff. Just, like, the vibe was good. <laughs> and the food was good, and the coffee was good. And I just, like, had a great, just had such a great time in Hamburg. Um, I and, like uh, that. Yeah, and Berlin was cool too. I didn't get to spend as much time in Berlin, but I did have a nice, a nice time over there. A friend um, from New York moved to Berlin with his boyfriend. Now I think they're, no, no, they're married now. They're married, um, and he and he lives in Berlin, and he he was he fucking loves it. Yeah, I've heard I've heard people like especially like New Yorkers moving to Berlin are just like they just love, they're like this is my new place. I I made a really stupid joke that went over really good actually. <laughs> I was on stage about how. Berlin was the New York of Germany and Hamburg is the Philly of Germany. Oh, snap. Um, uh, but it's, I mean, they, it, it tracks, um, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Philly's like, Hamburg's oh, just a little smaller. And, yeah. But still great. And it's got a bunch of stuff. And it's, it's got still a bunch of music. And, but it's a baby city. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Shout out to all the Philly <laughs> friends out there. What's up? <laughs> Yeah, I'm heading to Philly literally tomorrow. So. <laughs> Please be nice to me. Yeah. yeah. And then LA too. You feel like if 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 we're gonna use the word vibe again, you feel you're you're feeling the vibe when you've been out here. You really liked it. Yeah. Even I was out there in January when it was like raining every day. That was the I was best. Out there for like two weeks, and I was still like, it's so much better here. <laughs> like, I just like even just waking up and being like, oh, it's raining again. That's okay. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it was just, it was, I just like it a lot. And I also was like, I was out in Highland Park and it's, I like it out there. It's chill. How did you connect with Polyvinyl? Well, I was working with um, Bob Andrews from Undertow and he manages like um, David Bazan and Page of the Lion and mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, and... I was sitting here in this living room that I'm in, <laughs> um, preparing to do the record release live stream, 
because it was 2020. And I said to my bandmates, you know, I feel like the only label I would sign with at this point is Polyvinyl because things were going well with having like self-released the record and mm-hmm. stuff. I said that on like a Wednesday and then Friday, the day of the album, Bob called and was like, so Polyvinyl wants to talk. <laughs> and I was like, I did this. I manifested it. Um, so that's how, I guess, I guess I, they had seen, they said that they'd seen some of the live streams that I had done over the summer and stuff and were just like aware of it and then like liked the record. So That's so rad. Yeah. Um, and they're great, obviously. Oh my God. They, Absolute yeah, best. Big, big, big fan. It's been so nice working with them, both them and, um, big scary monsters actually like picked up the record too. And, um, before polyvinyl for for uk and europe and like working with both of them has just been like so easy but also like so like they're just so supportive and like just genuinely stoked about music you know and like want to help in any way possible but also like very flexible i don't know it just it's been feeling it's been great because i just can kind of like lean on them for things that I need, but I don't feel like any pressure from them. Ah, that's the best. It's, yeah, I'm making a correlation and you can tell me I'm wrong, but it seems like that, that way that you're feeling about leaving New York, right. Of Mm -hmm. this new era or new thing that you want to try and then to have support, right. You've, you've got support from the label, you've got support from family and I just sense like this excitement, but also calmness, with you like where you are right now things are things are in a you know um in a decent spot like um getting to tour a lot and got like the next few months planned out which is always nice because i always like to know what's happening (laughs) i'm like not good at the like at uncertainties oh Um, i'm horrible at that i talk to my therapist every week about that (laughs) i need to get one of those is there a fucking Um, i was like where's the plan where's the book that everybody has and, yeah, and, and, and do you think that I need a, I just need a, I just need an outline yep. for things. I need to generally know what's going on. Don't have to have every little detail of, of the day planned out or whatever, but like knowing where I'm even going to be like physically. Is it hard having next- a free day? Yeah. Like, like I have everything, like all the touring and, and the record going in to record the record in, August, September, and, like, just knowing, okay, I know where I'm going to, like, be living, what city I'm going to be in, you know, for the next um, six months or whatever is very important to me. Um, And then, you know, filling in the little details here and there. But, um, yeah, things feel like they're in a good spot. I I am worried about my job. How come? (laughs) But... Oh, because you're going to well, be leaving I'm away a lot. Um, so I haven't. I, I worked. I was going to work like all summer, and now I have all this stuff. So I don't know if I'll be working there anymore. But we'll see. Um, but that's like the that's like the main stressor is just like job and money. Yeah. <laughs> but everything else is great. So. And you and know. you're still able to feel productive, even though you have those things sort of uncertain. Yeah, because I, you know, I get like, I love, I just love making music. So it's just like, it doesn't feel like a, a, like a job or a chore to to do the creative part of it. 
you know, the, it is stressful to, like, right before you called, I was advancing shows, and as soon as we get off this, I'm going to go back to doing that, and that's just <laughs> all a little stressful, and, you know, getting yeah. all the logistics done and um, sorting all that stuff out, but I feel like in terms of making music, like, that's that's a thing that I enjoy doing, and it doesn't, you know, obviously go through, like, spells of writer's block or whatever, or just not feeling creative, but I don't, I haven't had the feeling of, like, ugh, like, I must write now and I can't do it, or whatever, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Which is nice. That's great. I feel very lucky for that, yeah. Um, With Things I Never Said, um, you were doing live streams and stuff, did, what was it, I mean, being able to, or not being able to play, um, live and then having sort of another record in 2022, which, you know, still was sort of uncertain. It must feel like this next one, um, is almost like all the doors are open. Like you can go, go, you can go, go as hard as you can. Yeah. That's, that's, I was just talking to someone about that last night too, because they, we were another band friend. We were talking about fall touring plans and stuff and, I don't have any right now, and I feel like in the past I would have been like, I have I have to tour this fall, I must. But like with the new record coming out next year, I feel like be, unlike the other two, I'm really going to be able to hopefully, <laughs> hopefully um, really be able to just like go really hard with it and do all the stuff and tour on it a bunch. Um, so I'm feeling okay about having like a little bit of a reprieve before all that starts where I'm just going to be like, hopefully just like on the road for most of the year and like really getting to do a lot, a lot with the record. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I think it's going to be a, a very, a very different, I mean, like things I never said, it was fun to, to think about like what other things we could do to like still celebrate it being out without being able to, to play it live mm-hmm. and stuff. Um, and we got to do a record release show with Nothing's Ever Fine. Um, but it it was like right as, as things were starting to, to open back up. So it was like, I don't know, it didn't feel, it yeah. was awesome and I, it was great, but it didn't feel as like, as like, everything was just so uncertain still that it yeah. still felt like I didn't want to like get too excited about stuff because what if they just didn't happen you know what i mean um and so now i feel like we can we can really go big on the planning for this next one that's great and and you have the time yeah mm-hmm. yeah really really starting to think about stuff now and like i want to get everything all like set and in order so it's like so that also when it happens it's like fun and i don't feel like we're behind on everything like right. scrambling to put it together you know and then for 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 sound, I mean, what really st- I think what struck me was just sort of um, the DIY part. There's this punk element, but then really really hooky. But then I don't know. There's a lot of introspective things, um, and like you talked about Elliot Smith earlier, lyrics hitting at these right moments that I would perk up at. Um, and I really mm-hmm. thought that was something that. I just was, it's, it's, it's easier said than done. Like kind of thinking, why does that, why does that work? Um, but I was, I was really impressed by that. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I, uh, I really, I mean, like I was saying one of the things I like about his lyrics is the way they sound. And that's kind of how I, I write my lyrics as well. Like 
there was a line, like, for example, on from the van that um, was, like, keeping in touch with texts and pictures, um, which was originally postcards, but it just didn't sound right. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, like, it's not as good of a written lyric, I feel like, but it sound-wise, it's better, and that's kind of how I like to do the songs. Um, that's kind of how I think about lyrics, is more, like, as another instrument that is filling out the sound of the song and like obviously the meaning is important but the exact exact right word is it's more important for me for the exact right word to sound good than for it to be like the best descriptive word if that right makes sense. absolutely it has yeah. to fit you need order yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i wanted i just i want it to sound good i want all the sounds to sound good um but yeah, for the new one, I, it's going to be loud. It's going to be big. I've been writing a bunch really? of Really? I think it's going to be all like rock songs. Um, mostly like all the stuff I have now is like riffy rock songs. And then I'm also working at the same time on a different record that's chiller. So it's going to be like, I'm thinking of them as like little companion records that it was not a double album, but they like go together. Ooh, I but like I don't this. Know yeah, we'll see. We'll see if I can pull that all together. But the net, the LP3 recording time is scheduled, and those songs are, are coming along quite nicely. Badass. If I do say so myself. Fuck yeah, you should. No, it sounds... Yeah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty excited about them. Um, do you feel like this is like... I mean, I've asked people before, but this is... Yeah, I know you talked about your job, but this is your job. This is... Yes. How cool is that? <laughs> It is so cool. I I had that moment too when we were playing in um, Luxembourg recently, and the room was not very full when I played. And I looked out and I was like, "It's so cool that my job is to be playing music, and I'm across the city, I'm across the world playing to like still a couple hundred people in a city I've never been in. Like that's cool. And then we're all doing this thing together. Like we're all having this." live music experience together it's pretty wild well it's fucking awesome <laughs> that's yeah, great uh, little me is is little me and big me are pretty stoked <laughs> yeah and then check out the records i'm on instagram and twitter for now <laughs> but you can find me there at oceanator band or at oceanator depending on the platform um yeah i guess that's Cool. Oh, I have a Patreon if anyone's interested in that as well. Please say it. I think it's patreon.com slash oceanator. Um, I do like once a month, usually sometimes twice a month, and it's like tour diary stuff with photos that, that you won't see other places. Well, some that you will, but more photos. And uh, dem- song demos or sometimes a live stream or whatever. It's kind of just whatever I'm feeling at the moment there's a good key and peel sketch really like yeah it's, it's like, like them one. texting each other but like one person takes everything offensive and the other person's just writing to be like whatever it's very funny i yeah i should watch that that's, <laughs> i'm definitely the like someone like if someone sends like cool with a period i'm like uh-oh oh yeah yeah or three like, dots no, they're, they're, three dots yeah. after the end oh then i'm oh i'm getting yelled no, at the three dots is unhinged that's war because that's like that's that means that you have more to say or you're... No, that's what that means. <laughs> dot, dot, dot. You can't <laughs> dot, dot, dot. 
<laughs> Sorry. That's awesome. That's totally true. Anyway. I, 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 I will never dot, dot, dot. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. If I get an email from you that says dot, dot, dot at the end, I'm, I'm blocking you. Yeah, yeah. Fuck that guy. Don't, don't release the stress. episode. Too much stress. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. I've kept you too long. Have an amazing rest of your week. and I'll, I'll... Thank you, you too. This was very lovely. Thank you for having me. No problem. Um, it's an honor. And um, have a beautiful day. Thank you. All right, peace.